Hello, hello, hello. This is episode five? Five. Five of Chris and Eric's Long Box Adventure. I am Eric. And I'm Chris. And so far, we've done a good job of varying up what franchises we're talking about. Um, we bounced around from X Men to Doctor Who to Batman to Spider Man. And the time for variety is over, because we're talking about Spider-Man again. But in our defense, it is, to quote the cover, the all-different Japanese Spider-Man. We are discussing Spider-Man the manga. This is a number of firsts for us. This is the first time covering any manga on the podcast at all. And this also has a very bizarre... I'll say, publication history, even by the standards of just an international comic getting translated. There's some weird shit happening formatting-wise, I'll get to it, but I'll just go ahead and start us off with some brief context on where it originally came from before the publication in the 90s, and what its localization has to say about the history of manga being introduced into English. Spider-Man is... A manga by Ryoichi Ikigame. He is a very famous manga artist, probably most well known for Crying Freeman. Later volumes will also credit another creator coming on as a writer, but the beginning of the series, it's just Ryoichi Ikigame. And this series ran in Japan from 1970 into 1971. So it's actually the oldest comic we've covered so far. This is pre-Giant Size X-Men. And I'll start off with a question. What do you know about Japanese comic magazines? Nothing. Manga is a huge blind spot for me. Okay. So manga culture is very different from American comics, at least in terms of mainstream stuff. Where, say in America, you have series that are just a publication unto themselves of, say, there's a series titled Amazing Mm Spider-Man. There is Batman Reptilian. There is Bionicle. I look forward to that. Um, (laughs) In Japan, it's very common for series to run in what are effectively anthology magazines that run multiple comic series at the same time. Uh, So famous things like Naruto, Dragon Ball, comics like that didn't get published in series just called Naruto. Those, for example, were in Weekly Shonen Jump. And these magazines are commonly marketed in terms of age and sex of the primary audience. So you'll get magazines aimed at young boys in this case. Um... This ran in Monthly Shonen Magazine. We talked a bit off-air about how the beginning of the series seems like it's for kids. Shonen Magazines are primarily at boys around age 12 to 18, so it is for kids. Um, Obviously, some girls will be reading it, some older people will be reading it, but the primary target audience is going to be young boys. And had a relatively short life, like I said, um, was over within less than two years. And then it wasn't until over 20 years later that the series gets picked up in English as Spider-Man the manga. Late 90s Marvel brought it over in the form of standard American floppies. And we'll be discussing the first three issues today. These adapt the first story arc from the Japanese original. And one of the main differences that's going to come into play of discussing the artwork is the pages are flipped, which what that means is that Japanese and English reading orders are opposite in terms of going left to right or right to left. And so that fucks with the orientation of the arts. But they've basically taken the Japanese original and done a flip on it to be read in the standard English reading order. 
And later on in the series, the differences get even more dramatic in terms of them skipping certain stories, cutting more things out, and ultimately they don't finish the manga, it gets cancelled before they cover the whole thing. But this is still the only official English translation of Ikigame's Spider-Man work that exists. And therefore, is the only one that's semi-accessible. I say semi because these have never been reprinted. So, if you listen along and want to read it yourself, I do recommend it. But I'm also going to say I'm sorry for turning you on to something that's kind of hard to find. With all of that obligatory just historical stuff. Before we dive into the plot, did you have any follow-up questions about anything? Um, I now understand what everyone means when they talk about Shonen Jump, so that's good. Uh, it, it reminds me, uh, 2000 AD in Britain is another thing. It's an anthology magazine of different comic series, and different series will continue in it, and like, fall in and fall out, depending on what they're publishing. I will wind up forcing you to read Judge Dredd at some point, but I promise to try and find some that Al Ewing wrote. Al Ewing was the best part of that sentence. I still dread the judge, but <laughs> this is what I've signed up for. <laughs> I trust you hesitatingly and fearfully, but I will read Judge Dread for you. I know there's one that Al Ewing wrote that had a pink version of the TARDIS on the cover that was a porta potty. All right. Um, so, first three issues of Spider-Man the Manga, um, were written and drawn by Ryochi Ikigami, um, the translation was by Mutsumi Masuda and C.B. Sobolski, the current editor-in-chief at Marvel Comics and one-time pretend Japanese writer. Specifically the man who got around rules that Marvel had where editors could not also write products for the company, so he pretended to be a man named Akira Yoshida, who got work on many early 2000s Marvel books that were specifically aimed at trying to catch the manga audience that was booming in America at that time, and so presumably very literally stealing a job that could have gone to someone who was actually Japanese. And his background before that was dealing with things like this, of translation and general Marvel relations with Japan, and I believe also other foreign countries. Wow. Yep. Yep, he's here. This is the guy who made the call about uh, fixing the whole Asian Psylocke problem. Yep. And also, real quick, um, we have Dan Necrosis credited on retouching in production, and then Tom Brevort. Brevort? Brevort? Brevort is credited as the editor here. This was Bob Harris's time as editor in chief. And that's the credits list for the creative team. Plot-wise, these first three issues essentially give the Japanese Spider-Man's origin story. There are a lot of things that are both very similar and very different from Spider-Man. This isn't just Peter Parker's story retold in Japanese. This is a high school student named Yu Kamori, who is still a bullied science nerd. There's a lot of panels of just his classmates being like, you fucking nerd. And he also gets his spider powers from an experiment involving radioactivity and spiders and him getting bit and then him climbing on shit. But there's no Uncle Ben. He does still live with an aunt, so that is a common family situation, but without the dead uh, paternal figure. And... We will meet, by the end of these issues, his pen pal and romantic interest character, who is named Rumiko, or Rumi for short, and the first villain that this Spider-Man has to fight is a version of Electro, who, drama, 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 it turns out is Rumiko's missing older brother, and... As opposed to having the Uncle Ben killed by a robber, 
sort of opening, establishing responsibility and serious consequences for his powers. Yu ends up killing Electro in their battle, and therefore has resultant fallout of knowing that he has caused the girl that he likes misery because he killed her brother without realizing it. And she doesn't know that he is Spider-Man, just so we're clear up front. No one else knows who you is. They don't know Spider-Man's identity. And so this third issue of what we're covering essentially ends with you wondering if his powers are worth having. And there's just like a dramatic ambiance to the final panel as a newspaper runs through the wind and says something to the effect of hero Spider-Man stops Electro. With all that out of the way, what was your first impression of this take on Spider-Man? Um, I really liked them. I spent the first issue waiting for Uncle Ben to show up. <laughs> I was just like, okay, so you Kamori's gotta have an uncle, right? Like, there's gotta be, like, something that motivates him to start saving people. Um... Funnily enough, he is initially motivated by the reward for Electro's capture. Um, I assume that the events at the end of this, sort of finishing off the origin story, give him motivation to act as a hero in his own right and not worry about, like, getting money for it. Yeah. And in his defense, he primarily wants the reward money because he finds out that... Rumiko's mother is sick and she needs help paying for hospital bills so it's at least a desire for money that's as altruistic as desire for money could be but yeah it is a difference going from there's no Uncle Ben he's doing it for money uh, it's a very different motivation than like normally when Spider-Man's doing it for money it's very selfish and this is he's already a lot more responsible than Peter starts out I feel like, at, at, at the beginning of this. Um, that said, the opening where he is at his high school, after hours, like, a teacher explicitly comes by and is like, do you know what time it is? Everyone has gone home. This experiment probably won't even be on the test. You should just go home. It's extremely dangerous playing with that radioactivity harnessing equipment. <laughs> He's got, like, some kind of radioactive experiment set up in his high school classroom. Like, in in the original comics, in most versions, Peter gets bitten by the spider on a field trip. Yu has his own radioactivity lab, and irradiates the spider himself by accident. Um, I, I think we're lucky that he's not, like, Dr. Octopus in this universe, because... Honestly, there's a lot of the, the dialogue here in this part where he's upset about being bullied at school and stuff. It feels very much more like a, a Doc Ock setup. Um, Octavius, in a lot of ways in the classic comics, is like a Peter Gone Wrong type character. But then you winds up not giving into those instincts. Yeah, yeah. there's after he gets his powers. I suppose I should say, after he gets bitten by the spider, he doesn't immediately realize he has powers, and he first gets an indication that something has happened when he's getting bullied by kids at his school, and one of them goes to punch him, so he goes to punch, like, in reflex defense, and misses the bully, and hits a steel beam they were nearby from, like, a construction site, and bends that shit in half. Uh, that building is coming down, looking at this panel. And indeed begins to, because some more parts of it, whatever you call just steel rods, start flying down, at which point he leaps up out of the way to cling on to safety on the side of the building, and then realizes that he's clinging to the side of the building, in a sight that is just straight out of classic 60s, 70s wall-crawling Spider-Man. Yeah, um, the art is consistently gorgeous. Um, 
I am, I'm not a huge manga reader, and, and a lot of the times I'm not that into the style. This all works so well for me. Um, the characters are very stylized, but not, like, especially so. Um, like, they, they don't, their faces aren't that distorted, they're just, like, very clean and simple lines. And then a lot of the environments, like, really detailed. Like, sometimes there'll be a shot of, like, a science lab or an exterior building, and it's just, like, a really, really good sketch of a room. And then you'll have, um, just, like, these really expressive, um, fun but simple character designs hanging out in them. Um, the design for Spider-Man and his outfit looks great. It's, like, a, a pretty good blend of, like, the, the Ditko and, um, Ramita Sr., sort of art style in terms of how the suit's rendered. Um, like, the eyes are straight out of Ditko, but, like, a lot of the lines in the costume are, are closer to the way that someone like uh, Ramita Sr. would draw them, a slightly more heroic build, rather than the especially creepy-looking Spider-Man that Ditko did. I really love the art. The art is a highlight for me. Yeah, I have been a fan of Ryurichi Kigame for essentially since the first time I saw his art. Um, I think what's interesting to me visually here is the way that what he's doing mixes then contemporary classic manga aesthetics with the contemporary 70s Marvel Spider-Man aesthetics. Because so many panels of Spider-Man, of him like specifically in the suit look just straight out of an American comic book from the time for me. The visuals for him and Electro, and then there will be some other villains in this after this point in the series that we won't get to today, but maybe in future episodes, where there's just a lot of faithfulness to the basic costume designs, and where there are slight changes, it's largely for the better, like, before we recorded, you noted the larger eye holes in Electro's mask for just these dark circles around his eyes to look slightly more menacing and a little less silly. Yeah, it's it's very much the classic Electro suit with, like, the, the big mask with all the, like, spark designs, lightning designs coming off of it, and, like, the, the lightning suspenders, as I call them, <laughs> coming up from, like, the yellow pants to around the shoulders. Um, but then, yeah, the version in this has got, like, these big eye holes that are entirely black, and then with the eyes in them, and it makes them look sunken, and it's much more, um, it's as sinister as you could possibly make that outfit look, and it's, it's really good. The first time you see him, when he turns around while, like, robbing this bank, and just looks back directly at the reader, is, um, it's great. Yeah, like... This is an Electro that reads as a fret, which is kind of strange, because it's hard to do that, but I quite like this Electro. He's he's the most powerful Spider-Man villain, but he's also, like, I really like Electro, and every single time they do anything with Electro, they always do something completely different. Like, in, in the movie, he's a weird nerd who's obsessed with Spider-Man, in the animated shows, he's anything from a Nazi experiment to a kid who gets bullied and winds up in an accident and is, like, trying to take revenge on the kids who bullied him. Um, and they literally none of the... Well, the 90s animated Spider-Man series just did, like, the classic Electro look. But the, it, it's such a strange outfit that you don't see it show up in other versions. I was actually really glad to see it here. And to see it done so that it actually, like, works as a threatening design for, like, this larger-than-life villain is great. Yeah. The art's just really beautiful, like you said. Other details I especially love are characters' facial expressions are really good. They're very emotive. And, like, moments of comedy, there'll just be, like, a classic exaggeration to them of just big shocked like hanging open mouths or there are some panels where you is looking at his crush Rumiko 
and he just has this really dopey expression where he just is perfectly captured in the emotion of just being a teenager with a crush who's just really fond of who he's looking at and it's just touches like that I think help characterize you and help just give this good impression of this nice young high schooler even if he does mad science experiments in his school when the teachers <laughs> tell him not to um yeah I, the uh the dialogue is all pretty simple um you know but it's sort of standard like a lot of exposition and stuff like that at the time I mean occasion it's just these incredibly like funny moments like um right after the reveal of the Spider-Man outfit, which it, it is unclear as to why he is designing this ridiculous red and blue outfit. Uh, to be clear, the comic is in black and white, but, like, it's red and blue in the cover. It's red and blue. It's red and blue outfit. Spider-Man. Um, he's standing upside down on the ceiling, revealing the look. Looks great. And then he goes, <laughs> I did a great job designing this mask. <laughs> and he did. Um, this Spider-Man was in Spider-Verse in the comics, like, the comic version, and I guess, would you think he was disappointed that everyone else had the exact same mask design, and that he didn't manage to do anything special? That's gotta feel bad to be like, not only am I a mad scientist, I have a bizarrely high penchant for costume design, and look at the way that I popped off in my room, designing this all by myself. And then you step through the Spider-Verse portal, and everyone else is wearing your look. That's gotta <laughs> hurt. Um, yeah, so the the first issue mostly just covers the origin and of, like, the powers and the outfit, and we see Electro's first heist. But, like, oh yeah. My other favorite part from this first issue is um, everyone, like, hears about Electra and some people see him robbing the bank and, like, fighting off the police and getting away. And they immediately conclude, he must be a cyborg. <laughs> like, the whole, everyone in the crowd is like, oh, must be a cyborg. And then, and then, you is, says, until now, I would never have believed such a monstrosity existed. But look at me now. I know it must be true. So... I guess the presence of, like, spider powers also confirms cyborgs, specifically for the electricity powers. It's very strange. Um, reading it now, there is definitely just the sense of, that's an awfully specific thought to have, as opposed to being like, this man has these powers somehow, don't know how that happened. And in defense of everyone who's not you because you as a superhuman and should know that's a possibility. There's no sense that any other supervillains have shown up in this world. Like, mm. this is not like Peter Parker going into the world where there's Fantastic Four. So I'm kind of have a little bit of sympathy of like, maybe it's not obvious that it's a superhero because they don't have those. But it's still weird to be like, it's a robot immediately <laughs> yeah it's um i don't know i just thought it was funny how everyone especially since he doesn't turn out to be a cyborg is the thing like if it was if it was just like so that oh yeah cyborgs can be a thing and this version of electro is a cyborg but no he just has electric powers it was just such an oddly specific thought to have and and that the whole crowd and like the news later on all conclude the same thing and he also specifically, minus the eye holes, just looks like Marvel Electro. So there's nothing robotic at all about his design. So if he is in fact an android, he is a more human-looking android than we have today, much less in 1970. I think they think his insides have been replaced by robot parts, which is why he's a cyborg, rather than like... Mm the classic DC hero cyborg who I guess will eventually wind up covering in something. I can't think of anything right now, but I'm sure he'll come up in something. We'll maybe do some new Teen Titans eventually. Back when they let him be a Teen Titan. There's another rant. Let him be a Teen Titan. <sighs> yeah. I'll let you do that rant, because I'm not a huge Teen Titans fan, but I, I do agree with you. 
Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we get the whole, must be a cyborg. And you, meanwhile, just keeps going about his day. The threat doesn't get immediately personal until issue two, when, I'll back up, towards the end of issue one, his pen pal Rumi shows up to temporarily stay with him and his aunt, and she tells him that her brother is missing. And so the basic conceit of issue two is that they're going all around trying to find out what happened to the brother, and they go to the last store where she knew that he worked, and one of the employees tells her to check out the racetrack, and then they go to the racetrack, and we get these classic images of race cars zooming around. So cool looking. Yeah, just like Speed Racer. And from that point, they say, check out this gym. He said he was going to go be a boxer. And then the boxers are all there, and they're talking to you and to Rumi while they beat each other up. And they say, check out the jazz club. And they go to the jazz club, whose owner says that Rumiko's brother had stolen a shitload of money from him. And Rumi is shocked, and is just wondering why he would have done such a thing. And at that point, she tells you what she had wanted to tell her brother if she could find them that her mother is sick, they have the hospital bills to deal with, and that brings us back to the monetary motivation that we talked about for Spider-Man's actions earlier. While also, this whole time is setting up for the reveal later that Electro is the brother, because essentially all of the jobs that they're visiting have the potential for hitting it big if you're really successful. Because he essentially had wanted to be a star boxer. He'd wanted to be the star jazz player. He'd wanted to be the star racer. And it's not actually all that great of a plan because most racers are not Ricky Bobby. They are not the one. But it's basically <laughs> foreshadowing the reveal at the end that it's all a get rich quick scheme born out of the reveal that I guess I'll just go ahead and spoil the brother struck a kid while driving legally has to pay all of this money and is doing these jobs to try and get money is moving around as it's not working out and ultimately is taken advantage of by this mad scientist who gives him electric powers to rob banks and that's why Electro is robbing banks what do you think of the basic conceit of Manga Electro and just, like, the social relationship and everything? Um, well, in the original comic, he's just, like, an electric repairman who gets struck by lightning, and once he has lightning powers, is like, oh, I will steal money. So I appreciate that he's a much more sympathetic character here. Um, it's weird, I... I initially assumed that he had become Electro due to the mother's medical debt, which would feel like a very American story to me. Um, but it being, it's actually because he also owes a great big deal of money. Um, but like the car accident, yeah, it, it, I really like it because it makes him far more sympathetic than just about any other version of Electro. But his actions are still, like, very definitively wrong, and the fact that he revels in it, and he, he kills people, explicitly does kill people in this comic, um, it doesn't make any of it better. And I like the complexity of that. Yeah, I think this is one of the more interesting Electros that I've seen. Plot-wise, once Electro is doing his bank heists, the local newspaper, which is, of course, another element being brought over from the original Spider-Man is the importance of a newspaper. They decide to run an award for capture of Electro for 100k, which is more than you would need to pay off Rumi's mother's medical bills. And he says, and also my, my aunt will be happy. So just good-natured <laughs> you recognizes the value of money and decides to go out as superhero Spider-Man for the first time. 
which he happens to be nearby enough at the time of one of Electro's heists that he's able to suit up. And when he arrives, I'm just going to read some of this dialogue of him making his way through the crowd. Excuse me, please. What? What are you? Wow! Oh no! Another Electro? Electro turns around. What? I'm not Electro. What are you? I... I'm... A human spider. No, wait. I'm Spider-Man. I'm a human spider. No, wait. So this is where Sam Raimi got that joke where he wants to be called the human spider in uh, the first Spider-Man movie. It's fun. I like just emphasizing just the bumbling nature, the... He clearly hasn't fought this all through very well, because if he did, he wouldn't be going up against Electro with no experience, <laughs> as good-natured as he is. In the American version, they have to throw on the big 90s-era Spider-Man logo font instead of just writing out Spider-Man, which... I guess isn't the most obnoxious thing about the localization, although I don't think we needed it. The most obnoxious thing is um, the the cutting off of some of the art, and early in the first issue there is there's two pages that are out of order, so that an establishing shot of the exterior of um, Yu's home is for some reason after a short scene set inside you's home. I did not realize it was that bad before I lent you the issues because I hadn't done the page by page. But my god! I'm just like, how? I, I mean, I'm glad that these are in English so I can actually read them because I, I can't read any foreign language at all. Um, I really don't like that the art is flipped, generally speaking. I don't think that that was a good thing to do i maybe understand from the point of view of a mid-90s marvel well this is bob harris is in charge so oh this is 97 this is like what right after onslaught and x-men this isn't that long ago joe mad was already drawing stuff like manga was already a thing people would know to read backwards yeah this was still pretty common at the time i think i would say that early 2000s is when it switched to becoming the definite that manga just would be left unflipped when being translated like early 2000s is when Viz went full on of just doing the original orientation and the Tokyo Pop boom was very significant and not flipping any of what they brought over and so like Tokyo Pop Tonko Bonds started a tradition where if you open the book up in the way that you would a standard English book, the first page, or rather the last page, will just be a notice saying, this reads the other way, turn it around. Manga reads of basically just having a buffer page so that even if you don't know going in and you're not experienced reading manga, to this day it's still normal that volumes will have that at the very beginning or end of just a thing saying, here's how to read. And sometimes they'll have a little diagram of a page with like numbered panels to just emphasize, go from here to here to here. But at this point in time, that wasn't yet the fully established. And it's just weird to look at with just how sense of motion is conveyed through the ways that an artist intentionally positions their arts and like senses of momentum and there are just some shots of, like, Spider-Man punching Electro that just look really weird now that they've been flipped to me. Yeah, it's, um... I mean, there's... there's I would just... I would prefer that, you know, it's as close as to the original artist's intention as possible. I think that's always really important when presenting something like this. And I would like to just be able to read it the way that it was meant to be read as much as possible um there's also on uh the issues that we have here at least a lot of the time um when something was drawn to go right to the edge of the page the uh 
single issue versions are cutting it off compared to the um, Japanese collections that we have here um, where like characters who are punching um, their like fists will be coming off of the edge of the page instead of like being wholly on the page as they are in the original artwork um, yeah it's just it's not presented as well as it it should have been especially given how like much a part of the the um, appeal of this is the artwork because the story's fairly simple stuff I think it really captures um, the the adolescent spider-man like stuff like really well like the way that um, you interact with Rumi is it feels really accurate to the way that like an awkward 15 year old interacts with a crush um, like their date is is the most it's one of the most accurate representations of like a first date that I've seen in like something like this it just it felt very very natural um, they like there's a whole page of them just looking back and forth at each other and being too awkward to speak and like you just don't see that that often done that well at least not in in um, the superhero comics I've read yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the facial expressions and just the characterization through them just looking at each other is just really nice. Um, just good visual storytelling without needing to have a lot of wards to cram into every moment. But speaking of cramming in wards, I think the most offensive moments in the translation of this, even more so for me than the getting pages out of order, Towards the end of issue three of the floppies, there is a page where the top two panels are showing the newspaper articles after Spider-Man has defeated Electro, and one of them goes, Finally, a superhero, public menace Electro, defeated with one punch. And after that, the text is keyboard scribble. It's literally ad just random non-ward letters, literally C.B. Sabolsky jamming his fist on his keyboard because he has to hurry this shit up so that he can turn in his own fraudulent script under a pseudonym for another book, presumably. Just fucking random ass letters. And I looked and I was like, well, that's fucking lazy. There's no way it's like that in the original, but let me double check, because maybe it was just truly weird. And no, I pull open my original copy, and there's text there. It is just more newspaper text that they decided to just not find a way to just make the text fit within the space in a way that looked natural. And the challenges of lettering something like this I do want to talk about in a minute. But truly the least natural feeling thing they could have possibly done was just shoving a bunch of random nonsense in there. And that's what they did. The, the letters are big enough that you would try to read them. That's the thing that bothers me about it. It's If it was like smaller than this so you were just using it to create the shapes of words it would be fine but I can read Adam like you can read it it's it's right there it's just you could just make something up yeah like one thing that I think shows in this a lot more than a lot of modern manga translation in terms of just, like, level of just general polish and competency is that there are definite challenges to lettering a translated comic because ward balloons are obviously designed to fit the amount of text and the orientation of text in the original language. But... English and Japanese, you're dealing not only with changing the text, which can result in differences of, like, amount of text on the page, depending on differences, amount of characters to make a ward or convey a concept, etc., etc., 
but whereas English is primarily written horizontally in lines, Japanese typically is written vertically. And like while there's exceptions to that and it can be written horizontally, and in comics is often primarily used that way for like sound effects, just typical Japanese writing, as in the original of this, goes down in vertical columns, which obviously isn't going to work for natural English reading. So then you're contending with fitting different text orientations into the set bubble dimensions, which there's sympathy to be had in that that is a problem to deal with. However, it is a problem that the English manga translation industry has easily grown accustomed to in the 20 years since, and that, like, in modern manga translations, you rarely even think about, because they just do a great job of making it more seamless. And giving the quality of this translation, I'm gonna guess they probably do a worse job of it here than they even did at contemporary manga that would have been getting published at the time. Because it looks bad. And they said, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you can frequently tell that a word balloon was like created not with well with the sentence in it in mind but in in an entirely different like format and and layout um one of the notable ones is rumi's talking about her brother and says he's an unfortunate person and as written it's my brother was an un go down a line fortune go down a line nate go down a line per go down a line son and considering some of the changes they made in terms of like the way the art is scaled on the page and I, I, I feel like I would have found a different solution than breaking it up that much um, but also like I, I, I it, a very difficult thing to do like obviously I've done graphic design stuff you know I haven't lettered a comic but I, I get like when someone's like, oh, can you change these words? I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to change, like, a lot to make this look right now. Just because the length of what, like, is being said is different and the presentation, therefore, has to be different to accommodate. But also, this is pretty messy at points. Yeah. And, like, that specific word bubble does look especially difficult because, like, it's thin and long, so it's, like the epitome of being designed for vertical text, so I do feel for them. But goddamn, the English word unfortunate was not made for a panel like this. <laughs> I feel like that's almost a case where it's like, is there another word you could use in its place that means the same thing, or gets the same concept across that might make things fit, just even slightly less unfortunately. Yeah. Which, I'm glad that we ended up talking about this specific moment, because I also want to talk about it thematically and narratively. It's you seeing Rumiko off at the train station as she's about to go home. And she says, Thank you so much, you were able to get the money you promised me. Which, first of all, he beat Electro, and there's news coverage of the money being obtained. But are we to take it that before he left, Spider-Man stole just enough of the money at least for that and left the rest of it to get returned? Or, well, did he collect the reward money for Electro? I guess maybe that would be the less villainous way of it happening. So I guess, do you think we're supposed to take that as red? Because I didn't really... Because there's no scene of him going up to Japanese J. Jonah Jameson and asking for his check. Cause my, so my first thought was that he skimmed a little bit off of the top for those medical bills. I'm, I'm going to assume that he got the reward in like a Spider-Man outfit went up and just got handed like a big bag of cash. Um, my thing is, so Rumi needs 10,000. The reward is for a hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. 
your aunt's gonna be pretty happy when you come home with that. <laughs> gonna get some nice new heating pads for her back. Get her some nice, more comfortable shoes. Maybe a new house. <laughs> yeah, like, she sure better be happy. I can tell you that I don't remember them moving into a new house. So I'm not entirely sure what he did with the rest of that money. But that aside, I really love the mangled dialogue in question of before the unfortunate lettering issue panel. It starts with you going, Rumi, your brother, dot dot dot. And she goes, don't talk about my brother who was killed by Spider-Man. My brother, dot dot dot, was an unfortunate person. And then that's the last that they say as he watches her on her train as it descends off page. And then the last page of issue three is you looking at his hand saying, these, these powers of mine, are they really a good thing? And then we end on this large, almost entire page taking up panel of him looking dejected down at the ground with these assumedly winter season trees because all of or at least most of the leaves are gone it's very dramatic you can tell that there's wind blowing and like i mentioned earlier there's the newspaper clipping about spider-man's heroic deed right after he's realizing that he just killed his crush's brother and she's gonna hate spider-man for this and he's spider-man and here's the thing that this captures, that this comic captures. He may not have an Uncle Ben, but he has that Parker luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very similar to um, in the original comics. Um, actually, it's slightly different because in, in the Peter Parker in the 616 comics in the 70s, um, Dr. Octopus causes the death of Gwen Stacy's dad, police captain, um, I forget his first name, Stacy, Captain Stacy, his first name was Captain, um, and everyone for some reason assumes that Spider-Man did it, and so Peter spends a significant chunk of the 70s, until Gwen is dead and he can angst about that, angsting about, like, Gwen really hating Spider-Man. So this is this is a very sort of similar story beat. Um, whereas the scene where Electro actually dies, but it I think it just is the way that like it's drawn where he looks like burnt or something after his powers overloaded, um, which I think is what actually kills him. I reading it, I definitely wasn't a hundred percent sure what caused it. Like, I think that's maybe the one moment in the original art where I have a qualm is that the presentation's kind of iffy because there's, like, Spider-Man punching him. But then it's, is it the force of Electro hitting this thing? Or was the other thing also electrified? And, like, if it's just Electro's own power, why did it go crazy then? Like, what caused it to overload at all? Yeah, I... Well, it's just, it's, it's firing off in this part where it, he hits the wall and his powers are, like, firing out and there's all these lines of electricity coming from him and then they're also shot around him. And then he'd previously been, like, electrocuting everyone who touches him, but when um, you comes up to him here, he's able to take the mask off and not, like, die. So I just, I assume that, like, maybe, maybe he is just dying of internal injuries. Anyway, it reminds me of, um, from the early, uh, Miles Morales comics, he gets into a fight with his uncle, who is that universe's version of the Prowler, and his uncle winds up dying, um, with, it, when a uh, bus explodes, and similarly there's this bit where, like, Spider-Man is looking at someone who is, like, visibly burnt, and is essentially told... You aren't that good by this person as they're dying. You know, because this is when we get the sympathetic backstory for Electro. And, like, 
you realizes what he's done and um again though in in um miles his uncle's death was more accidental than this in that case his powers interacted with the like engine of the bus in a way he didn't expect because he didn't realize that his powers could make like cars explode um but it's almost a mirror between electro like hitting and, and crippling the child and with having to like deal with the settlement and that leads to him being Electro in the first place and you killing his crush's brother like he's gonna have to pay for that down the line yeah and there's a frequent phase fr phrase throughout from like onlookers and news people where this is a verbatim quote we were given a glimpse into the troubles of today's society. And everyone just keeps saying that. <laughs> of just, like, the weird future sci-fi shit. And also just... It's weird sci-fi power shit. And still money is the root of the problem. I mean, Spider-Man's financial troubles remain the most relatable aspect of the character. Um, I, I too relate with being nearly 30 and not able to pay for anything. Yeah... Like J. Michael Straczynski, Ryorichi Gigami understood that Spider-Man needs to be poor. Um, the last issues, or last pages of these issues, include little, like, coming up next time pages. And on the end of issue 3, the next time is for this nice shot of the manga version of the lizard reaching out toward the reader. And I just want to know how you feel about this lizard right here. Very classic. Once again, I, the design is like straight out the original comics. Hang on. Is he wearing a... Well, it's not a bathrobe. It looks like a bathrobe. It does look like a bathrobe. It's got a sash. It sure does. It's got a sash and it's got the rolled up sleeves. I was going to say he's wearing like the lab coat and everything, but it's not. He's wearing a bathrobe. This is a nice, relaxed, luxurious-looking lizard. Uh. I really love Ikigami's renderings of the lizard. Um, from having read it in the Japanese, I think the lizard is one of the visual highlights of the entire manga for me. Which, the lizard is my favorite Spider-Man villain. And I say that, and then every time I say that, I get an asterisk in my head because I think, well, I guess Venom still counts. <laughs> because it's the how long of him being an anti-hero until it no longer counts. So Lizard is my favorite spy villain with an asterisk on it. I think it's fun and great. Having read these first three issues, are you interested in reading more of this manga? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I guess what do you hope for going forward now that you've seen the basic setup? A uh, couple of things. I want to know where the other 90,000 went. Is that a spider totem the other sort of reference? What What am uh, I missing? The other 90,000... Uh, what monetary unit would be? Would it be? The oh, money. the money. The I'm money. sorry. I'm sorry. I spaced. <laughs> yes, the money. I want to know what happened to the other 90,000 that he got from <laughs> beating Electro. And... Um, I mean, honestly, I just want to see, like, what stuff are they going to do? I, I love the lizard. Lizard sounds great. Electro's real different in this. Um, what's the lizard like? I, I'm genuinely quite interested. I flicked through the manga. I saw Mysterio, which in this art style I think would be fantastic. Mysterio is one of the best, most visual, like, Spider-Man villains. I'd love to see that. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, I just uh, hope it keeps being good, solid Spider-Man stuff. This is all very... Again, proving Spider-Man just remains relatable when you just let it be Spider-Man. I mean, this is not even Peter Parker. He's a teenager in Japan in the 70s. I related to, like, a lot of, like, scenes in this and stuff like the awkward first date. I, I went on dates where I couldn't speak to the person I was on a date with because we were both just too awkward to do it. Like, that's that's a very relatable experience. Like, again, the money problems. It's just, it's very classic, good, solid Spider-Man stuff. 
Yeah. Um, I'll refrain from spoiling more than you already know from us having talked about it in the hopes of leaving at least some of it to surprise you as you go. Um, last episode, I made allusion to this Spider-Man also being a pervert. <laughs> we didn't actually cover that this time, but to just briefly explain why I said that, there is some weird sex shit in the second half of this series. I would say you have that to look forward to, except I'm almost positive that most of that is among the stuff they cut in bringing it over. But you'll see as you progress, this, this manga is truly two different manga, and that there is classic Spider-Man, and then there is something that is just incomprehensible in its sex and its horror. Maybe we'll get there someday. Um, whether it's through me picking more of it through the podcast or just you reading it on your own. I would love for them to have another crack at printing this for an American audience. Um, I think people would be interested. Yeah, like... In recent years, there's been a lot more of major publishers taking a chance on old-school classic manga. Like, big, nice, hardcover editions of untranslated works from the 60s and 70s. And, like, I think this would look perfect as, like, a Seven Seas Entertainment Edition. Just a nice big brick of a book with just better paper quality, less fucked up pages out of order and shit i think for historical just interest alone like it deserves to have a decent enough release all of the bat manga yeah there might be some stuff glancing forward into uh the the later volumes that they may not be legally able to print um at least certainly not under marvel's current standards and practices but um, I think they should definitely print certainly as much as they can and put it out in editions that people are actually going to be able to get their hands on and check out because I think it starts really strongly and I think the art's fantastic and it deserves to be presented in a way that respects it. Yeah, ditto to all of that. And if we have caught your interest and you want to know about the untranslated, unobtainable, unpublishable, freaky sex shit in Spider-Man. Go to eBay, search Spider-Man manga, and you can do what I did, and you'll be able to import just a collection of all the Japanese volumes, read your way through them, and find yourself becoming more and more baffled at what you see <laughs> as you move forward. But with that said... The start of it is very fun classic Spider-Man. Our little Spider-Marathon of episodes has been a lot of fun, and I think it's been interesting to see what has remained the same and what has differed in these versions of the character. And all of that said, what can we look forward to talking about next time? Next time, we will be covering Bionicle. Um, as in, yes, you are correct, it is the, the old... Lego toy from 2001 to, um, I, they kept, like, oh wait, maybe later? I don't know. I, I, I fell off before it, it, it finished. It came back in, like, 2015 and immediately went away again. Um, they did indeed publish comics. Uh, we are reading issues one through three of the Bionicle comic. It was published by DC and released exclusively with uh lego magazines um and uh i think i have a copy with the original lego magazine attached so i think we'll be looking through that as well um it's it's big nostalgia week for chris over here because uh, we just did the the spider-man stuff i read as a kid and now we'll be doing the bionicle stuff that i read as a child I have never consumed any Bionicle media in my life, never had a single toy, but I'm just very aware of it as a thing I saw ads for in my childhood. 
and I'm very excited because it's exactly the sort of weird thing that I was looking forward to doing on this podcast, so I look forward to it. Yeah, Bionicle's pretty weird. I think it's going to fulfill that niche perfectly. So that's you all's homework for next time. Read your little Lego magazines if you want to follow along. And thank you for listening. This is our first time recording, actually, since we got a bunch of stuff set up. So I'll do a quick shout out of find us on Twitter and Instagram at LongboxAdvent. Uh, longboxadventure.tumblr.com is our home site. We're in the process of getting approved for most majors, um, podcast streaming services. We should already be on several by now. Hopefully the last couple will be long settled by the time you're listening to this, and you'll actually be able to listen to us wherever podcasts are found. So, if you hear my voice, I guess that means that that did work out. So, thanks for that, and we'll see you with Bionicle next week. See you next week. Bye.